1: Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet?
0: Uh, well, not exactly. i still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon.
1: <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. what my, do
1: you mean that the report isn't finished yet?
0: I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. Just
1: distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour.
0: listening to me right now all right guys we have grant forney here and we're starting a new thing here and grant is going to be our test dummy <laughs> uh, we're starting a new <laughs> series called campfire fridays so grant's on the phone with us we just recorded a podcast and we're going to tell a little story time here we didn't we didn't waste it and put it on the episode so this is kind of a bonus feature for y'all so grant do you have a good deer story in mind for us
1: yeah i i I have one in mind that uh, it's it's a story that sticks with me. It's actually a hunt that was not successful, if that's okay.
0: Absolutely. That um, is wonderful.
1: I I want to tell this story. It was so it would have been archery season in the year 2012. I would have been let's see, I would have been in high school. I think I was 16 at the time and I had never shot a buck with my bell. Was up at my camp in Tioga County at my cabin, and it was, I think the date was like November 10th or 12th or something like that. And so it was in, you know, what I thought was going to be the prime of the rut. I had a buddy along with me filming, Brandon Miller, and he was going to film for me. And so from what I remember, we had... I think we had good weather like what I thought were good cold temperatures and it's the last Saturday of archery and PA and it's you know the date is right it's supposed to be the prime of the rut so we have high expectations going into this this uh this weekend hunt and we go out there in the morning we hunted a stand uh kind of pretty tight to a bedding area that we thought was going to be pretty good on on the south end of my property and uh we didn't see much at all. And we were kind of, we were kind of wondering like, are we just in the wrong spot? Is, or the deer just not moving right now? We weren't really sure what was going on. And uh, so normally that time of year, I like to sit all day long. I would typically hunt. I would typically sit in the stand from daylight till dark, but that day we decided to get down and and move locations just because we weren't seeing much. And we felt like we maybe had a better chance of seeing something on the North end of the property up in one of our food plots So we got down, got a quick bite to eat, went right out to the other side of the property to one of the food plots that we had. And we were sitting in the ground blind on the edge of the field. And I guess I'll back up here a little bit. This is really a story that that sticks with me because it's a story that taught me a lot about, I think, what the rut can be like. And and not only that, but it taught me a lot about what it takes to kill these whitetails and how much actually has to go right. So that's kind of the reason that um, I'm telling this story. The, the reason I picked this story. But anyways, so we go out there to the food plot for the afternoon, and and we're sitting there. We were there. We were maybe only sitting in the food plot for like twenty or thirty minutes. And actually, there's a there's a hunting club that borders our property to the north. And I saw one of the guys from the hunting club walking along the edge of their property that the food plot that we had is like right on the edge of the property. So you, I can actually see over into the uh, the hunting club's timber and I could see the guy over there. He actually walked out to the corner of the field. I got out. I actually got out of the blind and and talked to him for a couple minutes. Got back in the blind, maybe 15 or 20 minutes later. Uh, Brandon, who was filming for me, he's, he says, do you hear that? He heard. He had heard something down in the woods below the food plot. Sounded like it was crashing. Sounded like a buck chasing a doe or something like that. And and maybe a couple seconds later, this doe comes flying out of the food plot or flying out of the woods into the food plot to our left. And right behind her is like a stud buck. I don't know exactly what he was. I think it was like a maybe a big eight, maybe even a ten. It was one of those things where they were there and gone kind of in the blink of an eye and you just didn't have much time to even see him. And they were out of range. So there wasn't really a whole lot we could do. I think I might've had time to throw a couple grunts at him just kind of as a last, last hope prayer, but they, they probably didn't hear it to be honest with you. And, and so I look, we like look at each other. We're like, Holy smokes. I mean, it, like it went from a day that nothing was happening to all of a sudden, just in the blink of an eye, that happens. And about about that time, we look up, and here comes this other buck. It's a solid eight point. We like at the time. To- I mean, I was six- I was sixteen. He was seventeen. So like at that time for us, like it like to us that was a giant um, in re- <laughs> In reality, it was a two and a half year old eight point. Um, that was uh, a-, a nice deer by all means, but not definitely not a giant. But anyways, he came out. He was he was trailing that same doe behind that that other buck. And he comes out into the food plot, and he's at a slower pace than they are. And, I mean, that doe was clearly in heat. But so he goes up through the food plot. A five-point then comes up. So there's three buck on one doe. And we're sitting there like, what just happened? I mean, it's just like all of a sudden, just like that, the floodgates open, and there's buck everywhere. And maybe five or ten minutes go by, and that second buck we saw, that eight-point, ended up working its way back down to the food plot from right where he would have went in the woods at. And he comes down the food plot the same way he came in, gets to the bottom of the food plot, turns and then starts walking on an angle right to our blind. And so we're thinking, all right, here we go. We're about to get a shot at this thing. And it comes in to like 25 yards. And I don't know what happened. I think I, like I, when I adjusted myself in the chair for, for a shot, I might have made a little noise and i think that's what he heard so he threw his head up at me and he's facing straight at us so i don't have a shot yet and so we have this stare down with this buck that to be honest with you i mean i hadn't been bell hunting for that many years before that this is t- 2012 so like to me this is the biggest buck i've ever seen hunting and so we're sitting there all wide-eyed and we're thinking this is the coolest thing in the world and uh and I don't know, I don't remember how long the stare down lasted. It felt like forever, but in reality, it probably wasn't that long. And as soon as he turns, I go a full draw and it's 25 yards and I put it right on his heart and I squeeze it off and I hit the deer. And to be honest, like it happened, it's one of those things that happened so quickly and, and we weren't really experienced bow hunters by any means and we didn't really do a good job of knowing where I hit the deer when it happened in real time. So like we're, so it runs off and, uh, and we're all excited cause I hit this deer and, uh, and it's just, it's this nice buck we think. And, and, uh, in reality it ended up, I ended up hitting the deer, uh, basically in the last spot you want to hit a deer, like right above the lungs got basically no penetration, didn't hit any vitals and we, we could tell that after watching the film. Luckily, we had it on film. We could see it. And uh, we were pretty discouraged after watching the film. But right after the shot, I mean, we were like as as excited as you could imagine. Like a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old and a blind could be after hitting the biggest buck either of us had really ever seen. So the hunt itself was a cool experience. We ended up waiting until the next morning to try to track that deer. And we tracked him for gosh, I don't know, most of the next day, I would say, and we never, we literally, we did not find a drop of blood from that deer. We were just going off by the tracks for a little bit and then grid searching where he went. So it's a story that really, it shows what the reality of bow hunting can be. So there's kind of like a couple lessons I learned. It shows how hard it can be and just how much has to go right to actually kill a deer and for me like it was i was really disappointed in the time after that happened because i felt like i missed a great opportunity at really good deer and of course i was young so i was i was really feeling down about it of course you never want to wound a deer like that but i think in the long run that story and that experience has made me a better hunter just understanding how hard it can be to kill these deer and how much has to go right and how precise your shot placement has to be on a buck And the other thing too, it taught me, it taught me just how great the rut can be. I think that was my first experience where I really got hooked on hunting the rut. Having an experience like that where you have a hot doe come busting through with two big bucks right behind her and a third smaller buck behind her after being in the woods all day before that and hardly seeing a thing. And then all of a sudden you have that happen. It's a pretty cool experience to, uh, to see the rut in person like that and really experience that, so yeah, that's, that's just I mean that's that's uh, that's a story that kind of sticks with me and I think like I said in the long run that's made me a, a better hunter. It got me hooked on the rut and uh, I think I learned a lot from that experience. Be wrong, but uh, which which if you bell hunt long enough, you just you don't you don't always uh, have success every single time, every single encounter. It's
0: it's uh, it's
1: always a learning experience.
0: I remember kind of how it was.
1: From what I remember, it was I'm trying to remember what the temperature. I, I think we probably had temperatures maybe in the, in the high 30s or low 40s okay. something like that. so it wasn't super cold. Yeah. I think it was cloudy that day. And I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different opinions out there as you guys probably know on like what the, the absolute best conditions for deer hunting are as far as where I'm
0: going with this,
1: (laughs) all, all the factors, you know, with the sun and the moon phase Mm. and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I think everybody agrees that, that cold temperatures are usually a good thing. Um, especially if you're talking about a temperature drop compared to the previous days that were, you know, before your hunt. So to be honest with you, I don't remember what the weather was like leading up to that day, but that day itself, I remember it being cloudy and I remember the temperatures probably being average or slightly below average possibly for that time of year. It was not super cold, like I said, but it was, uh, it was definitely not warm as we all know, like nobody, nobody likes warm temps during the rut. That seems like it can kind of shut down daylight movement during the rut in my opinion. It definitely wasn't warm enough where I felt like the warm temps were the reason that we weren't seeing deer, or at least most of the day leading up to that uh, that little flurry of activity. So I don't know if we were just in the wrong place at the wrong time during the morning hunt or what the deal was. And then I, I guess, I mean, in my opinion, that uh, that hunt there, then on the food plot in the afternoon, I think it was like around 2.30 that happened. So we're talking like three hours before the end of the day that that'll happen. So I I think that was just the case of me being in the right place at the right time, that, that hot dough running right through there with those bucks on her. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how much the weather played into that whole thing. It's kind of interesting to think about, but I don't really know the whole story there.
0: So what, what would you say, you know, do you have anything that contributes to why you chose that spot in the afternoon? Is that somewhere that, you know, you had somebody that you knew that was successful there in the past or, you know, because you're kind of young, like you said, so maybe I don't right. know if you've had any previous experiences there or not, but what mm-hmm. what made you choose the food plot for the afternoon sit?
1: It, it had been a spot that historically for, I should say, my family, I had only been bell hunting, like I said, a few years up to that point, but for some other people in my family, it had historically been a pretty good rut stand that, uh, bucks would like to come through to make scrapes along the edge of the field and check the field for does that spot typically in the early season and really all season is a really good doe feeding area so i figured like a lot of people in the rut like to hunt bedding areas and i do too most of the time or at least close to bedding areas i think what made me choose that food plot for the afternoon was the fact that i was hunting close to a bedding area in the morning and not seeing any deer. I think I might've only saw one deer that morning when I thought I was in one of my best rut stands on the whole property. So I, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm close to a bedding area here. I'm not seeing much. Maybe I need to switch it up here and go away from what I thought I should actually do. And I'll just go back to the basics and try to hunt a feeding area where I'm pretty confident that doe might come out to feed that aren't in heat yet or aren't being tended by a buck yet there might be doe coming out into that field into that plot to feed that evening and i figured if there's doe coming in there maybe i'll get lucky and a buck will be coming to check them out i think that was probably my main reason for wanting to hunt that particular plot in the afternoon and fortunately enough for me it ended up working out that i had a hot doe come right through there she was not coming in there to feed by any means she just happened to be to be being chased by those three bucks and and went right through there and and uh that buck that ended up hitting was obviously the uh the subordinate buck probably to that that first buck that was that was hot on the doe he he must have he must have trailed them for a little bit up over the hill behind us through the timber and then he probably gave up or or the bigger buck chased him off or whatever and that's what brought him back down to the food plot
0: yeah man and you mentioned it in the story too you know how everything can just happen in a blink of an eye you know just like a yep. snap of the fingers and you know, that's what we live for. And that's why we do it. We go out there to wait for that one moment, you know, and it Mm -hmm. can be just an, an absolute magical hunt. You know, you have some hunts that go all day long and you just can't stop seeing deer. And then you have another hunt, you sit all day, you don't see anything. And then in a matter of 30 seconds, you have six deer run past you, you know, chasing deer and breading or whatever, you know, and it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of awesome when it all comes together and you kind of get an opportunity like that, you know, again, uh, an unfortunate ending to it, but again, you learned so much from it. So I guess that leads me to my, my last question is, you know, what was probably the biggest thing you learned about this hunt?
1: I think the biggest thing I learned was be honest with you. the, The thing that I didn't mention in the story either, which is another thing I learned. Probably the biggest thing I learned was that I took a shot at this buck when he was, he was on high alert, looking right at me, and it, it was it was a scenario where he jumped the string quite significantly, and that was due to the fact that I took a shot at him while he was on full alert, looking right at me, and looking back on it, probably not really a good ethical shot to take at at twenty five yards with the bow that I was using. You know, somewhat of a light light poundage bow at the age I was at. And, uh, I mean, definitely, definitely a shot you could take at a close range with a really fast bow, but when you get a deer that's on high alert and they're out there at a, at a decent yardage and you're shooting at them with a bow, you're kind of asking for a disaster to happen as far as him jumping the string or ducking the arrow or whatever you want to call it. And you're, you're kind of, uh, you're putting yourself in a bad situation to to wound the deer. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I think looking back on it. It showed me the lesson that, uh, number one, you need to do everything possible to not, not have that deer know you're there to begin with. Like, I, I think I mentioned that I think he heard me move in the blind, and that's why he, why he looked our way and got so alerted. So that was my first mistake, was alerting, making that sound and alerting him of our presence to begin with. And then once he was on high alert... Probably not a shot that I should have been taking at a deer like that at 25 yards with, with the setup that I had. So I think that was an important lesson for sure. Probably the biggest one from that hunt. And and really just overall, uh, an important lesson on shot placement and the things that have to go right to actually kill one of these deer.
0: Yeah, man. Very well said. You know, And I think that's a story that a lot of listeners can relate to, and they can learn mm-hmm. something also from it. You know, whether they're a new hunter or whether they're an experienced hunter, you know, that's, I agree. that's an experience that you can always learn from. And, you know, you know, you take the bad side of it, but, you know, the good that comes out of it is that you learn something new and you're teaching other people and you're showing other people, you know, this is what I did wrong. Maybe it helps someone else get a buck for their lifetime, you know, or yourself get a buck for your lifetime in the future. Yeah. And I think that's, that's pretty cool, man. So I, I yeah, really do yeah. appreciate it
1: yeah no I agree I think uh I think you like you guys said it's definitely a story that I can learn from and if I'm lucky I would love for other people to learn from it too to, to learn from my mistakes and and learn a couple lessons from the story that would definitely be great and yeah hopefully that's the case
0: that's awesome man solid story yeah dude yeah. I really appreciate you uh giving us our first good story to the <laughs> yeah, saga no problem.
1: I uh, I uh, always love telling hunting stories there's uh there's nothing quite like it so
0: Dude, that's what we're all about. And that's kind of why we came up with this idea to get this thing going and try something new because we, we always do it at least once in the episode, but you mm-hmm. know, we try to shorten it cause you're, you know, you have a time frame on your episodes and everything. So we said, why not just do an episode of just stories, you know? Yeah. So that's why we're here, but
1: yeah, no, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, man. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you coming on and doing all this for us. And, uh, I had a good time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, uh, I guess uh, we'll be talking soon here with hunting season coming up. We'll stay in touch. That's right, dude.
0: Good luck, man. You guys too. Thanks, man.